spoiler alert, we will be spoiling parts of this film as well as others. If you wish to watch this film spoiler-free, turn back now before it's too late. Now on with the show. Especially since we have neighbors that can probably yeah, I, see When we were watching and it went to the first sex scene, I'm like, all right, hold on. We need to pause the movie. Close the windows. Hello and welcome to Post Cut. I am your host, actress of the stage and screen, Sarah Peterson. With me today, I have audio engineer, RJ Amficino. Hi. I have VFX artist, David Vierkamp. Hey, what's up? And writer and editor, David M. Brown. Hello, everyone. All right. So welcome to our movie review section of season two. We've got a lot of really great films for you to uh, start off this season. We are looking at the film Dogtooth. This was a listener request. And Dave, I think you remember who the listener was. Why don't you let us know? This is uh, Kendra from Zion, Illinois. So, Hello, Kendra. This is for you, Kendra. We, uh, we sat down and we watched Dogtooth. And... And oh boy. <laughs> um... How do we how do we give a synopsis for Dogtooth? How about this? A Greek family resides in a home that is both a uh, house and prison. The only person that gets to go out of the house is the father, and he only brings one person back to the house, which is his employee, and she serves a very distinct purpose for the son. The children are obviously homeschooled. So with that synopsis out of the way, who would like to start? longer than the actual synopsis. Who, well, here's the first thing, you, in my opinion, the first thing you notice about this movie is its lack of almost functional narrative. There is, there is no arc. Nope. There are no arcs in nope. this story. Nah, Other than great. maybe the eldest daughter. Right. Yeah, but really her arc. her arc is only literally an arc to get over the fence of the of the compound they live in. Yeah. Well it's her descent because she's the oldest and she's also the most rebellious. So this is one of those independent films that we keep shoving down your guys' throats to go see. It was at the Keynes Film Festival. It actually won several awards, and it was nominated for an Oscar. The director is Yorgos Lanthimos. We are not Greek speakers, so if we butcher your name, we apologize. Uh, first impressions. First, first impressions. Yeah, first impressions. Is go, a good go one ahead. to start with. Go ahead, Sarah. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> um, Several times throughout the film, I was like, man, I hate this film. <laughs> To the point where Dave pretty much called me Alex because of his uh, response to Under the Skin. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that I wasn't up for a uh, meta movie, (laughs) but man, (laughs) there was a lot that I was not paying for for that film. (laughs) I am so glad that we watched it on a streaming service. (laughs) Let me tell you, I don't think I would have paid a rental fee for that movie. I it's so hard for me to like contain myself with this film. Mm. This film was like, Oh my God. Like, I don't even like, I have like images in my head of this film now and it's awful. Like it's, it's just bad. It's scary, bad. (laughs) Like, Mm. Oh, Mm. 
Okay. Well, Dave, what was your first impression of it? Um, I actually thought it was a good movie. Um, uh, I thought it was, I thought it was an interesting interpretation of isolation and kind of the idea of like, when you think of like cults and if you're a child that's raised by a cult leader, you mm-hmm. know, that's how you're born. You're born into it. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of that. Um, I really, I mean, I could, I, it probably could have used less sex scenes. I think there was like too many sex scenes and maybe they went on for a little bit longer than they needed to. But other than that, I understand the artistic idea behind it mm-hmm. and the concept. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the best execution, but also I don't think it's wrong. I thought they uh, they used cinematography. They actually broke every rule of cinematography in this movie, which was kind of fun to to watch. And but. what I found interesting uh, going towards the cinematography part is they didn't really break the rules of lighting or anything like that. No, the lighting was great. <laughs> Why? Um, Why was the lighting great? I don't and know. the Foley sucked. Well, they used a lot of fill. Uh, well, but, again, uh, yeah. Again, Sarah, Sarah has issues with Foley with independent films. Um, Foley's I tough to not. do. Yes, you do. You Ooh. complained about the Foley and Rocky. You complained about the sound, which, which, by the way, did you catch that reference there, uh, RJ? The Rocky reference when she movie. wanted to learn how to fight. Yes, she was. She watched. She did that from Rocky. That's she, so was, she was snarling. And she was snarling like Rocky when she was punching herself, and then the the whole Jaws reference while they were in the pool. Yes, that's right. The Jaws thing was scary. I was like, when they're <laughs> fighting, it looks like throughout this whole movie when they're fighting, it's scary. It's like you're actually watching like a like a domestic like issue. Like mm-hmm. you're like, Oh God, why? This is like bloody murder. Because they're the only two people that like, they exist together all the time. You're going to take out your domestic anger on whoever you live with. Right. And that's what you're locked into. And, uh, and welcome to social isolation day one <laughs> for us. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're recording this. Just so you guys know, we're, we're in lockdown here. So this has been fun. <laughs> yeah. We're, at, we're, we're at my place right now. Yeah talking about like the the physical violence aspect of it and then to the control when the father brings in his security guard in order to uh have sex with it with his son and then she ends up she wants she wants the son to perform uh cunnilingus on her and he doesn't really want to so she goes to the daughter and like trades the daughter a headband for this service but once, but as the security guard comes in, she brings in those videotapes of Rocky and Jaws and other and other movies like Flashdance, right. which inspires the girl. But right, either but, way, but oh my but god, talk, that's but, what those were. Yes. Yeah, that's what those were. But talking about the were. violence, if you notice, when he sees the videotape, he tells the girl to go get the duct tape, and he puts the he duct tapes the videotape to his hand, and then he beats her over the head with the videotape. Uh. And then he beats the security with, guard with the v, with Christina, her own VCR, her right? With her, with, VCR. Her, with her VCR, right? And she's the only one that's ever named Christina. And they refer yeah. to the daughters, the elder, the younger, and then the boy. Yeah, and there's a lot of symbolism in the movie, which I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but either way, to wrap up my first impression, I really, I mean, this felt like a European movie. I've seen a, quite a few European movies, and it doesn't break its trend other than this is like probably the most awkward and socially anxious one I've ever watched. And I'm probably not going to watch it again. 
Oh no! I, I, it's a good movie, but I'm not going to watch it again. There's Especially just... since we have neighbors that can probably yeah, I, see. When it we were watching and it went to the first sex scene, I'm like, "All right, hold on, we need to pause the movie, close the windows." Well, here's <laughs> here's something to think about: the house where you never see anybody come out of except one person. That could be these people. Oh God! <laughs> these oh. people could be your neighbors. Why? Oh jeez. Okay, so we're gonna move on to story. I didn't even get Really, this is going to be a short segment. Oh, wait. RJ didn't. I'm sorry, okay, RJ. RJ. I guess you don't matter anymore. I, I usually don't. That's fine. Like, um, so, so, um, I think it was like once we got to the sex scene and the like cutting of the doll parts and stuff where I was just like, we're in for a ride. We're in for like a ride ride and we can't get off until it's over. So I'm watching this film and I'm just like, the lighting is good. That's what bothers me the most is shot for shot. Like, like development wise, the film is fine. It's like, like amateur hour. It's like, okay, these people know how to do films. They just didn't make a film. They made like a crazy dumpster fire, gross, like cringe fest. That's what this movie is. It's cringe incarnate. We're looking at some grotesque garbage viewed from our eye orbs and it's just it's awful and you guys haven't heard me use the term eye orbs yet <laughs> um but yeah no this is a really it's a i mean genuinely this is a gross movie i get the symbolism but this is a gross movie <laughs> <laughs> okay we've got rj's impression dave brown did you give yours no but my i have to say i when I watched this movie and I and I looked at it, I said, oh, I've seen this movie when they were asking if the plane was going to fall or something like that. I'm like, I've seen this movie. And when I this is my second viewing, apparently, and I blocked out a lot of this movie <laughs> yeah. other, other than the plane. So and you wonder why. Yeah. But first impressions of like cinematography and stuff, I, I really enjoyed the way they shot it. They were very distant. Even with even when they would do close-ups, you felt distance from these people. Pretty sure it's because they used a lens that they were zooming in on them. Sure, they were far away. That's how they did that. Mm -hmm. They make it look like the distortion of viewed far away. But then but you had, but then you had close. the shots that were close-ups, like of legs and stuff, when they would walk into a room or something, and he would show nobody's face. It's it's that point of their hiding from the world this is what they hide from the world yeah you know? also gets your imagination rolling so right. you start creating the story in a twisted way because you're seeing only half the picture so you have to make up the rest of the picture in your head it's like reading a novel and and talking about story since we're going into story there really is no set uh plot or structure to this film Right. It's it's almost small vignettes just stitched together, essentially. You know what though? I think that it was it was done it was crafted that way mm -hmm. to get us into that state of confusion. Mm -hmm. Because you think about how the movie starts and you're hearing these words that are playing on a tape recorder and they're words that are completely wrong. Yeah. And it's jarring for you. It's like taking you out of the reality of the moment and putting you into the mindset of the children. Which makes it so surreal. 
because the children are sitting there and they don't know what's real or what's not. Mm -hmm. All they know is what they've been basically preached to know. Right. Which goes to Dave's point of uh, cults and and stuff like that and homeschooling or brainwashing, if you want to call it that. Because I don't want to equate brainwashing with homeschooling, but there is that. There is that point of homeschooling. Yeah, that stigma of homeschooling where kids are not socialized uh, enough, you know, so they don't, so they seem odd when they come out into the world. I mean, they have to have some form of socialization in order to go out in the world, you know? Right. And which brings me to the end, which is just the shot of the trunk. And as I watched it, and then it, it cuts away, and I'm like, okay, that's the end, apparently. And I, sat there and I was digesting this film for like 10 minutes and I came across the idea of experimentation. Is this an experiment by the parents? I mean, cause the old man knows the world. He he's in it. Yes. So he's a working more, member of society. Felt it more of a, a control thing. You know, it's like, look now every time that you see the kids interact with them, mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're almost like Kings and gods to them. They, they, they right. are the gatekeepers of knowledge and the, and fear hmm. they they i mean the hell the girl is cutting the dad's toenails i know Ew, okay. they're servants they're <laughs> slaves <laughs> it's and i have a toenail phobia so that was fun. that was just great that's my, one of the things my, my point so of this of, of the end is after i had digested it and i was thinking experimentation my mind came to the point that the girl is almost schrodinger's cat at the end Yes. She's in a box. You don't, she's both alive and dead because you, you don't know. You've never seen right. her get out. And then there was the whole cat thing. Oh, God. <laughs> that was I, hard for me and Sarah to watch. Oh, I'm sure cat. it was. I, I almost I, I threw up. I almost threw up. You know, because... the cat actually watched the movie with us. That was the weirdest thing that happened. Oh, right. man. Has she been avoiding down you? in front of the TV and watched the movie with us. Has she been avoiding you? No. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> but we've been avoiding each other. So... <laughs> One of the things that I I wanted to bring up was as we enter this period of social isolation uh, because of the coronavirus, we're sitting here and this is probably a perfect movie for us to watch because we're understanding a little bit more what these people felt. Because even though it's day one, I mean, everybody has this like stir crazy motion of, oh, my God, I can't leave my house. I can't do this. But it's it's like they're raised in it. They're raised in it. And it, right. we can they know no different a little bit. Well, they uh, th- here's the difference, though. Well, they no, don't I... they don't have a good idea of what is the outside world via comparison. And they're so locked in that they are like they have this crazy imagination now of what the outside world is. They don't know yeah. they're isolated. Yes, that's exactly it. They don't know they're isolated. They're thinking as they're far being as they protected. were. No, the well, world outside is like a barren, dead wasteland of dead people. I think they do know they're isolated because if you look, they're constantly going over to the fence and talking to their quote unquote brother. So it's they scary. know that within their family bounds, they are isolated from their family. Right. Okay. So I think they have some form of isolation that they understand. But they've been given everything that they needed, so they don't feel the need to leave until Christina stops coming around. Well, also because the girl feels like she is now. I mean, it's it gets to a point of mental and physical abuse, right? Where 
it's and she the way she escapes is the way that she has been told to escape is when her dog teeth fall out, which is when she, why she knocks out her teeth. But the ca- but the I want to I want to say something real quick. The catalyst yeah. for her wanting to leave isn't the abuse she's taking. It isn't even the fact that she has to have sex with her brother. What is the catalyst for her to leave? Are the movies Rocky, Jaws, and Flashdance? Because right, they the start only, the whole chain of reaction. Because yeah. the only videos they've ever watched are of themselves. That's right. The home movies. That's so. so those weird. three movies show her there's another world outside of this little compound slash prison that she's in. Right. That's the motivation for her to knock her her canine out right. and get in the trunk and and sneak. and she's brilliant about it. She doesn't try to hop the fence. Nope. She knows the old man goes out, so she just gets in his trunk. She he's never going to well, check the trunk. And no, no if you watch the dinner scene, they talk about the only way out of the complex is through, through the, the car. car. Right. So she thought, all right. And the only way you're going to leave the compound though is when your dog tooth falls out. That's when you're ready. Oh god. So she forces her readiness by knocking her teeth out with a with a five pound weight. I couldn't take that. I was like, oh. no. That was a brutal that was, and well executed scene. That I was feel like best. she actually did it. Like I'm scared. Was, yeah. You root for her a little bit. But that was the best moment of Foley in the whole entire movie. Well, I'm I can understand I why. It's the most intense scene. Uh, you gotta at least get that part right. Yeah. Well the cat was good sound, right, RJ? Oh. That was that sounded like how it would sound, but the uh, I only had one problem with that scene. So like it, and it also goes to what Sarah said is that this movie didn't have the best foley, but that's because they didn't budget for an actual foley artist and stuff. Unfortunately, so, foley's like the biggest thing that doesn't get budgeted. No, for, for you know, like independent films. films like this, I'll say this. So like. The cat wouldn't make that much noise. Like the cat made noise to where I'm like thinking, "Oh God!" Like this cat's gone. But and it it gave you that feeling, but in a realistic sense, that's not the cat wouldn't make that much noise. The cat would have been gone after that. Like after the last sound it heard, boom! It shouldn't have been. It the cat sound essentially just lasted too long. <laughs> is my take on that. But I think they did that on purpose, and oh, we sure. can talk. We can talk more about sound if we want to move into sound. I'm fine with that just because sound, I mean, generally in this film, sound's just a very short, short, short segment because not a lot of crazy sound work was really done. Um, It's like no music, I think. Oh, yeah. No, there's no music whatsoever. Um, Best score ever. Yeah. Best score ever. Very. Because it it adds to a weirdness of it. It makes it it so uncomfortable. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you feel like it's real life. It uh, makes it feel very real. That's the surrealism, isn't it? Technically, there is one song oh, in with, the movie, yeah. the Frank Sinatra song. Yes, well, that he there's a couple songs, but, but they're they're but not. It's not score. It's like it's sound not, design. It's, yeah, it's, it's in the it's soundtrack. Scene. Yeah, it's a soundtrack. Yeah. It's it, it, you guys want to buy the Dog Tooth soundtrack? It has one Frank Sinatra song, um, and, a, and, and it a, has <laughs> three Greek songs. Yes, and a, and a cat and a, and a cat uh, freaking out because it's dying. Dogtooth, the album. Yeah. So, I mean, anyways, <laughs> I, I'll say this. So, obviously, there were like one to two segments of the film, maybe like more, but I didn't catch them. And that's a testament to how they, like, how well they did it was they had some ADR put in there every now and then, which was good. 
and any part that did not have ADR was on set audio, which you could kind of hear it because not a lot of work was done with audio. Obviously, because this was a very much open shut film, there wasn't a lot of work done to the film. This was all like a shot for shot. This is how it happened sort of film. Like this isn't like it was shot documentary style. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of post done to this film. You, I feel like this was minimal crew. You think? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Like like skeleton crew level, especially with the all those over ridiculous sex scenes. I feel like you're going to have a skeleton crew for most of that movie. It was those scenes on their own usually require a skeleton crew. Uh, this was his second film, I believe. And right, you're right. I would imagine it only took two, three weeks tops to shoot this. Oh yeah. Two if, days. If that? Two days. I mean, two it's, days, it's seriously. Essentially Look, one... The sunlight's very constant, and there's night and day scenes, and it's very simple to just do all your outside scenes in one location. One right. Well, because it is all basically in one location. They're either in the yard or the pool. I right. mean, or they're in the house. So, I mean, it's and they, essentially they one location. They always have the same outfits. Yeah, they do always have the same outfits. That's a good point. So it yeah. could have been recorded in like two days. The airplane you see in the sky is That's probably the shot. same airplane oh, shot at multiple angles because sure. they knew it was coming. Sure. And that way you can get it looking like a different plane every time. Mm-hmm. It's actually a very, like, it's a very smart way they made, like, as from a crew technical standpoint, I think they were very smart about it mm. because they can accomplish a lot with very little. Jesus. You know, that's budgeting. So uh, I, I want to bring up numbers here for, like, budget of the film. The budget of the film was 250,000 euro. Ooh. I have no idea what that translates into US dollars. I love how you said euro. Uh, yeah. Well, that's how it's, it's, that's how you know, people of my area because mm-hmm. we're all that we're all that general area of Europe. The that's Mediterranean. how we, yeah, the Mediterranean. That's how so, we all kind of talk. So but it, you basically would multiply it by two to get to the American dollar. But you think this film was done right during the recession in America? Yep, 2009. 2009. So I'm sure that it's, yeah, you would, you would multiply it like almost three because the American dollar had diminished so much. Well, it, look at how much yeah. it made. It made $1.4 million in the box office. What? Yeah, <laughs> man. Really? They 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 made back plus more. That's actually pretty pretty awesome. Is that you know, American but dollars or is that euros? That's that American. Is... That's American. Oh wow! But yeah, that's uh, interesting. I, I wanna yeah. I wanna say this real quick. You know what didn't make one make more than it actually put out? Hmm. Uh, Repo the genetic opera and I knew you and, were gonna say that. I'll say and I'll say this again. And Rise believe, of Skywalker. Well, not yes. <laughs> and Rise of Skywalker. And on top of that, I'm gonna say one more film just to put it out of its misery the first film we watched i'm gonna um under the skin under the skin so where we get the term i orbs from yes that is where we got the i orbs term from because that's a film and i now realize that after watching this film it's a type of film that you really have to look past your i orbs because there's obviously there's a good narrative in the film we just you know we just have these concepts of film that we're not actually looking into it as much even though i will say it's not a for- film that i can enjoy i can see why others enjoy it dog tooth however i can't enjoy this film <laughs> i will say this though it's interesting you say that because i feel like the movie is intentionally awful to yes not only drive the point of isolationism and how weird things can get if you don't understand normal like norms if there yes. are no social norms other than ones that people set for you right you will never 
you won't know that's wrong. You won't know that's weird. You don't know. You don't understand it because you don't know it. It, it doesn't exist. Yeah. And and if we're gonna get you know Schrodinger's cat, if if it doesn't exist in your mind, then it doesn't, it doesn't exist, exist in reality. Right. You know. So let's move on to editing just to keep the pacing going a little bit better. Um, <clears throat> editing. I think in this in this movie, um, editing was kind of solely driven i think in the sense of cinematography yep and it went towards the 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 mechanical nature of their lives because they do the same thing all the time um but then it goes into the sex scenes which are even more mechanical there is no passion in those scenes. There is nothing. Nope. I mean, the son might as well be having sex with a doll. Yeah. Why? Which... So, so my point is, why doesn't the old man, instead of paying the security guard to come over and have sex with his son, why doesn't he just give her a doll? Give him a doll. Well, yes. I think I think the point of it was, is because he is the only boy in a group of girls with his dad, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think what the concept was is they found, they were so sheltered and he was so protective of his daughters that he first didn't want to ruin their virginity. Mm -hmm. Second brought in an outside person. So that way, you know, they wouldn't question the outside world. Right. Realized afterwards that she was a bad influence that's when he was like, you know what? The only people that we can trust are ourselves. And right. that's when he took the final plunge and, no right, pun intended, the daughter, and decided right. to get the and, daughter involved because you notice they dressed her up mm-hmm. like Christina. Also, yeah. they made him choose which girl he liked the most. Yeah. Before. That was really more weird. that that scene was more disturbing than the actual incestuous scene. Yeah. I mean, I can, once I saw, once he said, I think we're going to have to have the elder daughter take that duty over, I'm already prepared for an, for an incestuous scene. Right. I'm not prepared for the, you have to choose one of your sister's scenes. Yeah. That was pretty, uh, (laughs) and it was just so strange. Uh, And on that note, let's take a quick break for our sponsors. That was done also purposefully because his eyes were closed the whole time so he had no idea who was who Mm -hmm. he was purely going by aesthetic yeah Mm -hmm. i mean this film literally made me want to throw up like (laughs) oh it's so i mean it's so gross and i and see i may and and see this is the thing i'm a gross human being sometimes i could say some really grotesque stuff genuinely any a lot of people that spend all be gross if it really well now you've got more for your repertoire but this was this was just oh god like and it i think it's the fact that no one's expressing themselves throughout the movie that makes it the most gross it's like right right even their speech is very mechanical and they're dancing at the very end Mm. their dancing (laughs) was so mechanical to the point where the sister felt so uncomfortable by the moves that the, the oldest was pulling out that she's like, can I stop now? I'm tired. And she didn't look tired. And no. then the oldest sister just like did her flash dance. Moment. Right. Uh, right. Just, all she was missing was the water in the chair. It's the cringiest thing I've ever witnessed. Like, and I've seen some garbage 
person making their own videos and whatever and filming themselves. That's some cringe, you know, like some people that do that and whatever. And I don't know like why they're just even filming themselves. That's cringe. But this, this is like top tier. Like we made a movie and it is going to mess you up kind of cringe. But just also remember, this is a movie that kind of showcases the fact that this is possible. This could be real. Right. This is something that could have been. Could I mean, you know, somebody in a like he's like David Brown said, somebody down the street from us could be doing this right now. Yep. True. That's the <laughs> so, scary part. That's worse than the cringe. So keeping the show rolling, let's. Is that all you had to say about editing, David Brown? Uh no, but. Editing is, it's not only mechanical, but it, it kind of goes with uh, the cinematography. Yeah. Inverse cinematography. <laughs> yeah. Cause you so never see let's their, move you, into cinematography. you never see their heads. You never see their head or lots of shots of legs, up right. to feet, like as if people, <clears throat> as if you were there looking down at their feet to not make eye contact. Mm-hmm. There's right. There's a few point of view shots. Like uh, when Christina is talking to the eldest girl the first time and they're talking about their socks and they show the, the girl's feet, you know, oh. um, and then there, the interesting, another interesting shot was in the opening when they're talking about the words and she wants to play a game called Endurance. You see her, her eyes move to her sister and her brother, but they never cut to no. the sister and the brother. They don't. Right. It's only one shot. They're long lock shots a lot in this movie. And there's like one, uh, which what it was the, uh, the blindfolded scene mm-hmm. uh, when they're in the, like, they're all blindfolded and walking towards the mother. Yeah. The, to get the stickers oh like it, 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 that that there's like two major shake cam shots it, it mm-hmm. breaks the entire mold because everything else is like lock shots and unmoving lock shots no pans or nothing what it and reminds what, me sorry dave go ahead you you see when she's like when she breaks her teeth and she walks out to the car that's mm-hmm. like a, a a follow shot yeah. yeah and 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 then there's like yeah it's it's winter, interesting they chose their shots very carefully but they did them all intentionally in a weird way. I've got two things. First, your shot of when she takes out her tooth and then she, you have the follow <sighs> shot. You have the follow shot, which is a shot of power for, uh, it's power for the viewer because you're chasing her. Right. She can't get away from you. But then they cut to the power shot for her, which is she's coming at you. Yeah. Which is a nice little, uh, visual cue that she's actually taking some power and control away from the old man. Right. But the overall editing, I would call it, it, it puts to my mind like a kid learning piano. Every so often they'll play like a set of notes. That's correct in terms of harmony and scale or whatever, because I'm not a musician, but I can hear like how a beginner sounds on the piano. They'll be playing and then all of a sudden they hit that that note that isn't right, that note that's too high or too low. That's kind of like the editing here. That's kind of its rhythm. And I'm not saying that the editor is an amateur. I'm saying the editor is completely professional because I think maybe that was his or her intention to yeah. do that. To keep I was going to ask off. you, uh, I feel like that's intentional. Do, do, hmm. Is this a, like an artistic way of editing way that because you know the beats that people are going to follow and then you break them at the right point to make things uncomfortable right and and, and the editor breaks it right at the beginning with the scene of talking about the game of endurance because the girl looks at her sister and brother but you never 
the, the audience is not allowed to see them for a while. That's a break in editing convention. And you normally, want it to cut, but it doesn't cut. Right. Normally, where her eyes would go, that's where you would cut to show the brother or the sister or whoever she's looking at. And they, they break that. But then they bring rhythm back into it. Like in the dancing ones, they show the dance. They show the, the son playing the guitar with the dancers. Then they cut back to the parents kind of looking. And then essentially they start to get a little perturbed by the dancing. And then, you yeah. know, it's finally she gets up. She's like, that's enough. I'm, I'm, I'm done. So, you know, just eat your cake. The brother was like playing the guitar constantly too, like looping. Yeah. Well, that's what he knows. In the movie whatsoever, is there? Well, the cat, except for like the title sequence, which is like a quick drawn animation, really, really quick. I like the title sequence. And it's not even a drawn animation if you think about it. They've done that. Yeah, it's like a frame clip. Yeah. They could have done it in like a mapping software for like a TS eighty three or TI eighty three kit calculator yeah crayons if they really wanted to it, it, it was it was very much a mapping of a, a graph you don't need any vfx in this movie no, no not at all, no, not and, at all. Uh, no. i think the color correction was very i mean i don't know if there was any felt very log they also could have chosen to keep it log to keep it mute and yeah. dull like their right. lives i mean that's that, a that creative choice cool. yes <clears throat> god no. God, there were seven people in the camera and electrical department. This is like, yeah, skeleton. This crew. is, so yeah, this one, is skeleton two, crew. Yeah, three. There's three. Oh, four, three, who? four, four camera, four camera guys. How'd they get a budget like this? <laughs> who, who gave these people money? Well, if it's made in Europe, they're probably a little more. <laughs> this uh, is their own system. Yeah, they're well, they're probably a little more generous to the arts over in Europe. I don't and know. Oh, yeah. to say that they actually paid these people to begin with. That's, That's true. Because if you look at the IMDb page right. for the cast of the film, their their only pictures are from this film. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. So, this is like a film that like you make a GoFundMe. Well, I mean, not now, not then, but like you you ask for money. Like, hey, I have a film. You want to invest? So it could have been there first films or such i'm looking at the oldest daughter's imdb page and it looks like i mean this is one of her first few films that she's done she's got some from like 1999 and things like that that are probably um very very basic films she's only been in 17 films and we'll talk about it when we get to acting let's uh, move on to acting then yeah let's do acting i'm ready oh boy so ready for the sake of the fact that there's only nine people in the cast, I'm just going to list off the actors. We have Christos, Stere, I'm not saying it. Spell it. Stere- do you want me to read? Do you want me to read it? I can read it. S T E R G I O G L O U. I'm Christos Stergugio. Okay, and then there's Michelle Valley. Yeah. That's like the, the only the one we can American pronounce. Name ever, I love it. Yes, um, Angelikai Papuluya, Papu. Angeliki, Papuluya. I don't know. I'm trying. And I, I think that IMDb has this wrong because I'm pretty. We profusely apologize for the butchering of the names. Yes. Oh yes. We apologize strongly for the mispronunciation of your names. I apologize. I, uh, uh, it's the hardest part of being raised American is you don't know other vowels. <laughs> so yes. we have Christos. Uh, I want to say it's Christos or he, Christos Pasalius. That sounds uh, good. Married Sony. 
Yes. Anna. Angel. Kal- oh, yeah. Like Anna. Anna. For yeah. Christina. Anna. Yes. Kalatsito. Steve Krikis. Sissy Petropalu. And then Alexander Volgaris. When we talk about acting with these guys, I just want to give them a huge round of applause because this would have been, for me, a very hard film to to tackle because of all the different things that they're talking about with the incest and a lot of the the chaos of being sheltered. And I think they pulled it off really well. Oh, they did. This cast was amazing. Their, their work and, and what they did and tackling the information that they had to tackle was just absolutely phenomenal. Um, I don't think I could have pictured a better person to be the dad because he was just creepy enough that you're like, man, wow. Okay, here here's here be a little interesting experiment for the acting. If there if there was an American remake to this movie, who would you cast in it? Who would we cast oh. as the father? Um, I, I would go if it was with an American I would, remake. I, I would go with Vince Vaughn. I would go Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. I would have gone Willem Dafoe. Willem oh, Dafoe, Willem would, Dafoe be would be like fantastic. Right. Christopher Walken. No, no, I didn't Walken. see Christopher he's too, Walken. He's too comedic. <laughs> Break that wall. He's, he, he's yeah, too much but of a I think Willem Dafoe is creepy enough that he could pull that off. Okay, so you got to think creepy. Jim Carrey. Who? Jim Carrey. Uh, no. He could be. He could be. How about how about if he were alive and rest in peace? But how about Robin Williams? I'd see it. Uh, Oh, yeah. I mean, from one hour photo, insomnia. He was really. Here's here's the problem with doing big name actors like what we're naming. Mm -hmm. I'm almost wondering if, like, because for instance, Jim Carrey. In his younger days, he did serious roles, fine, like Number Twenty Three. The majestic stuff like that he did just fine because he was just at the pinnacle of his career that he could pull those off and be considered a serious actor okay. at this point in his life after watching him in like sonic the hedgehog <laughs> yeah. and uh anything else uh, no i mean even these a series of unfortunate events he is leaned so far on the crutch of his comedy that you can't take him seriously. If he wasn't a serious movie today, it would be very difficult to watch it. And especially after you saw his downfall on social Mm. media, it's very difficult to watch him. I was, I am one of the biggest Jim Carrey fans in the entire world, probably. And I was mortified by his performance in uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Because I'm like, this is this is over overkill, Jim Carrey. Like, it's oh, not yeah. even, it's not even good, Jim Carrey. <clears throat> Actually, I wasn't. I didn't find him funny. Oh, it was awful. Tangent aside. Yes, please. Let's let's move on. The the movie, <laughs> the acting was great in this movie. They did their job, and it really added to the creepiness of the film. With the discussions kind of roll, uh, pretty much winding up here. Right. Winding up. Winding down. Yeah. Because I mean, we just wound up a discussion, so right let's off. wind it back. <laughs> wind it back down. <laughs> on you know, this is only this is only the fourth hour of isolation, and I'm already oh, going crazy, you, guys. You guys are nuts. 
Isolation is not that bad. You can get used to it. Just relax. The only one that's going to get cabin fever is Sarah. Yeah, I feel so bad. Yeah, it's because I'm so used to going out to work and coming home and watching TV and going back out to work and then coming home and watching TV. <laughs> the only difference is, is I'm not going out to work anymore. I'm actually just staying home and watching TV. Okay, so... Uh, yeah, let's get into final thoughts, guys. Yeah. I think we should start with David Brown. Final thoughts on Dogtooth. Well... I say it, it, it's a good movie. I can't say I necessarily enjoyed it in the conventional sense of enjoying uh, a, a yeah. film or a song or anything like no. that. But I did enjoy it for what it was and what it is, which is basically a statement of the dangers, I think, of power and social isolation in terms of not making that choice for yourself. Um, because I think if the kids had a choice, they'd go outside. I've read some bad reviews of it, but the bad reviews are the people who, who have a, who have a tendency to eat popcorn and just let it stroll right in through their eye orbs. So, and they don't want to think about it. So that's my final thought on the movie. So what's your final rating on it? Uh, solid three. That's a good one. Mm. Uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and go to, uh, Sarah. I'm going to give my rating first and I'm going to give it a 3.5 because it, as a film, it's very solid. It it has a lot of slow spots to it. So it's one of those films that it allows you to take in the dialogue Mm. that's actually being, that's actually happening. Yeah. I would have given it a four except for the scene where they're whispering and all you hear is the. Yeah. It's weird. that. That, that sound to me grosses me out. So as a film watcher, I don't want to hear people smacking on any form of microphone or any ADR about it. And I get why they did it. It's one of those scenes that, you know, you could have done it whispering and not had this lip smacking sound. Oh, yeah. And it would have been just fine. It would have done its job. It adds to the creepiness of the dad that his lip smacking was way louder than the woman's. (laughs) Just saying. So for me, that's the only... Other than the sex scenes, that's the only uncomfortable scene that I watched. Because the rest of them is like, you know, kids being kids. They've never been out into the world. They don't understand what social norms are. And once you understand that, you're like, oh, that's why you're weird. It's not you're weird because you're normal. No, you're weird because you've never been experienced. You've never been exposed to normal. Right. So they that is their that is their baseline. That's what they know as normal. So when they're fighting, they're fighting because that's what they understand. Ugh. So I think on that conceptual level, it's a great film. Um, I wouldn't give it a five because I mean the flea and all of that kind of stuff really pulled me out of the illusion, and it made it very difficult to watch the film because it just it wasn't. There wasn't enough sound design on it to make it realistic. And I wonder if that was an intentional choice now that I'm thinking about it. It totally was. I will never watch it again. I understand why it needed to be made. But no, I'm never... I would never put it on again. I'm surprised that Dave Brown watched it twice. Well, again, as I said at the first part of the show, I I put a lot of it out of my mind. RJ, your your final thoughts? Yeah, I'm thinking I'll, I'm going to go next here. I'm going to give it, I'll, I'll start with my rating as well. I'm going to give it like a one. And I'm going to tell you why I give it a one. Mm-hmm. This film 
was made for the sake of making a film. I don't think it was made to be groundbreaking. I don't think it was made to be anything. I think this was a total cash out film. Whoever they got to invest in this film, whoever it may be, gave them money to produce a film, just a random independent film. And then they were just like, yep, this is it. This is our thing. And this is all the money we got for this thing. And this, I mean, this movie was purely made to profit off of doing nothing. Um, I, 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 but that's all I'm going to really say on that respect. There was barely anything done to this movie. This was a total, what can we do in this film? We, we literally saw someone like doing all kinds of sexual acts in this film. Uh, obviously they weren't actually done, but man, did they pull it off and make you really feel like they did that. And that's mostly why I give it a one. I can't give it a zero star rating because that wouldn't exactly be fair. Obviously there was work done on the film, but barely anything done to this film. It's the most minimalist grossest thing I've ever seen in my life. I give it a one. That's my rating for this. And we're moving, we're moving on. Yeah. Dave Um, So my kind of summary and conclusion to this movie is I really, I, I enjoy art house films. This is definitely, I consider an art house film. It's kind of an independent, you know, mashup of weird things and things that you don't expect and the willingness to do things that many mainstream films would not be allowed to do. I also, I disagree a bit about the financing thing because if you're an independent film, you got to pay a ton of fees just to get your film showcased at the film festivals. You got to pay to submit in. You got to there your your gatekeepers are so much higher at that time that, you know, you can't just post it on YouTube at this time. I mean, you can, but it's not going to get you far. But no. I feel like this movie is a good example of what can be accomplished with a low budget independent film. And I also think that I probably will never watch it again because it is definitely a niche film that's not my liking. But I can appreciate the work that can go into a film. Like, I mean, this is like a student film that I would have maybe, you know, I can mm. I could see the relationship on that. And well, um, that's that's and, the whole point. You're supposed to be able to make your art film when you're a student. Right. Exactly. This is the time. Yeah. This is the time when they do that. You know, they they're able to experiment and make things because they have the time to do it and they're not getting a lot of money for it. So they can just kind of play around and yeah. they're given the freedom to. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. I think there was way too much sex in the movie. I think that's my biggest thing from the movie. I think there was way too much sex. Uh, but if, if that's the artistic choice, then so be it. Uh, I'm going to give the movie a four. Ooh, nice. I knew I knew you were going to a four, one, a three and a half and a three. I'm adding up the ratings right now. And if anybody's interested in seeing the movie, uh, I watched it on a streaming service called Tubi. T U B I. We did as well. Yeah, that's the only that's the only streaming service you can view this on. Yeah, you can also view and I apps on YouTube. I, I think you can I get always, a DVD of it. I'm not sure, but I think you can. I believe. I appreciated every single advertisement that played during that movie. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, because ads are what we deal with on TV now for streaming services. Our final rating, and I'm going to give you the actual decimal points for this because it's way too funny. 2.875. So actually, if we round up, it's a 2.9. Yeah. So slightly below average. Slightly below average. So I mean, as a film, 
would we suggest to go see this this movie? Nope. Not, not with children. Not, not with children. <laughs> I would not with children. I think like most of our consensus would be if you're gonna see it, see it, but you're probably not gonna watch it again. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. So if you get it through the streaming service Tubi, which is free, you're not you're not wasting any money on it, but you get to have uh, an experience with watching an art house movie. I wouldn't necessarily be, recommend it to be the first art house movie you ever see, but oh no! But some and people are adventurous, so. And if you did watch the movie to watch the show with us, we would like you to discuss it with us on our Facebook page and see what you thought. All yes. right. Well, thank you guys for listening to our review of Dog Tooth uh, from 2009. Next time here on Postcut, we're gonna go uh, a little bit against the norm. We're gonna on. watch one, an animated feature. One second. We have to thank our. We have to thank Kendra again for for uh, requesting the film. So, oh, yes. So please put another one in if you've got another one, Kendra. If you're yes, listening. I'm down to that. watch another film from you, Kendra. I honestly really appreciate getting the external, uh, getting a fan, you know, a fan recommendation. I want to see more. Guys, email us, please. We want to hear what you want us to review. Stick around for the end of the show for get in contact with us so next time here on postcut we are going to watch the film hunchback of notre dame and if david beer camp mispronounces the words please send him hate mail okay you mean notre dame please send hate mail if they've mispronounced the name hunchback of notre dame i can help you with that hump what hump (laughs) so the hunchback of notre dame is that good from the uh, I want to say it was 1997, but I could be wrong. I believe it was Disney 1997. Theater. Yeah, 96 or 97. Um, I know because yeah. I was born. <laughs> so <laughs> from all of us here at Postcut, here. thank you. We will see you next time. Want to find out more about Postcut? Check out our website www.postcut.com. There you can find links to our episodes, as well as a link to our coffee account where you can donate to support our show. While there, send us a listener request for films to review. Until next time, thank you from all of us here at Postcut. Postcut.